What is up, you guys? It's your boy, Tony T. Tom West, man, and I'm back at it again with another podcast, man. I think this is like episode 17 or 18 at this point. Um, Man, you guys' support has been so great over the holiday season. I hope you guys are having a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year's. Uh, just to kind of give you guys what we'll be doing, I guess, over the next couple of weeks, Um, really, at this point. Um, I will be dropping two podcasts in the next two days. So you guys will be hearing this on Friday. I'll be dropping another one Saturday morning um, previewing the college football playoffs. So if you guys are really into college football, I need you guys to go over there and uh, go come back to this, you know, podcast and check it out. It'll probably drop it around 10 or 1030 that morning on Saturday morning before the game. We'll preview obviously some of the bowl games that's going on and then mainly the two big games with Clemson versus Ohio State and LSU versus Oklahoma. Um let me just give you guys kind of a breakdown of the schedule that'll be taking place for the next few weeks. So the Super Bowl is in basically about a month and a week. I will probably be dropping podcasts once a week from there. Now, after the Super Bowl, I will probably go on about a month break till probably about March. And then we'll crank into college basketball. Obviously, at that point, NBA will be ramping up, things such as that. NFL offseason will be ramping up. So that's kind of how that's going to go. And we'll be jumping into WOW at this point, season three already. And it will be almost doing this podcast thing by then for a year. So shout out to me on that. Um, but yeah, so we'll be coming up on a year in April, um, of doing this whole podcasting thing. So I appreciate you guys love and support. Now tonight, I want to jump into several different things. I want to jump into obviously the games that took place on Christmas night. I know you guys want to talk about LeBron and, you know, stuff like that. So we'll obviously jump into that. That's obvious. We'll go ahead and jump into that a little bit. Uh, we're not going to really talk too much college football tonight just because I'm going to be talking college football on my own, you know, on the the next episode, which you guys will get Saturday morning. So we won't talk much college football, but we're basically just going to focus on NBA and the NFL. I want to jumpstart you guys off with the NBA. Let's jumpstart there. We're going to jump right into the NBA first because I know you guys want to hear my take on, you know, the whole LeBron James being too passive. You know, what about Joel Embiid? He seems like he's kind of showed up to the party now. So a lot of these things we're going to talk about tonight. One more thing before I even start getting into everything. I want to give a shout out to my lovely lady, Brigea, who got me this beautiful mic that I'm talking on right now. So... I, I want to say thank you, baby. I appreciate it. I love you. Um, and thank you for just believing in my dreams and really taking an investment on getting me this new microphone that I can podcast on. So first and foremost, I want to say thank you to her because a lot of this stuff wouldn't be happening without her. So thank you so much to my lovely girlfriend. I want to just give her a lot of credit because she's been ride or die for me for coming up on two years now. So um, thank you for just investing into me and believing in me also as well. Um, but before we go ahead, I want to go ahead and jump into some scores from Christmas Day mainly because that's really what I want to talk about. And then I'll talk about some of the games that's happening 
Thursday night, which is when I'm recording it, and then Friday. Um, so on Christmas Day, I'm going to go ahead and jump into these games now. Boston versus Toronto. Boston went on and won that game 118 to 102. Um, obviously, Pasal Siakam has been, you know, he didn't play in that game. So that obviously makes a big difference. Um, but the Celtics are really good, man. I like the Celtics. I mean, Jalen Brown had 30 points. He went 10 from 13 from the field. Um, Fred Van, Fred Van Leek, man, I got to give him some credit because he's really stepped up this year. He had 27 points, but it just still wasn't enough for the Toronto Raptors uh, to get the win there. But I like what I seen. Kimba also had 27, uh, 20, uh, excuse me, 22 points. Um, very impressive game from Jalen Brown. He was really, really impressive. Um, I mean, I can't really knock the Raptors because nobody really expected them to be where they are now. I know I didn't. Um, and they're doing a really, really good job staying in the mix without Kawhi. Um, but the Boston Celtics find themselves right now, um, you know, 21-7. and seven. Uh, We have to take that into consideration that these guys have really, you know, I hate to say it, looked a little better without, you know, Kyrie Irving. I mean, a lot of people don't want to bring that up, and a lot of people are big Kyrie fans, including me. I love Kyrie. But I hate to be the one to kind of drive that narrative, but to be completely real with you, the Celtics look a lot better without them. I mean, I'm just being straight up honest. Uh, they look a lot better without them. Um, I don't know if that's just because of the chemistry. I don't I don't know. I don't know what the circumstance really is, but what I do know is that those guys like playing with Kimba. Um, I don't, you know, I don't like putting any, you know, I don't want to defame, you know, Kyrie because he already has enough people saying that, you know. He does this, he does that. He's not a good, you know, team leader. So I don't want to get on here and just rag on him. But in all honesty, it does seem like the Celtics like playing with, you know, Kimba a little more. Uh, the next game I want to jump into, which I think was a, a, a defying win for the Philadelphia 76ers, and that was them going up against the Milwaukee Bucks, winning 121 to 109. Um the Bucks, you know, they just came off an 18-game winning streak a few days ago. Um, then they got that big win against L.A., the Lakers, who are, as of right now, on a four-game losing streak, and LeBron could miss some time, so keep that in mind. But um, it was a rough game for Greek Freak, rough game. Middleton had a pretty good game. He had 31 points, but Greek Freak struggled bad. That was probably his worst game he's had all this year. He had 18 points. He shot eight from 27 from the field, which is horrible um, and not really acceptable at all, to be completely real. But um, we've been waiting on Joel Embiid to wake up. And in this game, he did so. 31 points, 11 rebounds, um, two blocks. Um, he, he showed out this game. He did. He showed out um, in 28 minutes on top of that. Um, Joel Embiid balled and that's the type of game that you need to see from him for them to even be in the discussion for Eastern Conference Finals because coming into this season I thought they would be there I thought it would be between the Bucks and the 76ers I said that on this podcast which now 
that premise might change. I'm leaning more towards Miami and Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. I believe in Miami. They're a really good team. Honestly, they're a really good team. They've only lost one home game, and we're like a good 30% into the season now. They've only lost one home game. They're like 16-1 and one at home or 15-1 and one at home. So, I mean, they're on pace this year to only lose like five or six home games right now. So, we got to take that in consideration too. Um, the Miami Heat is a team I'm definitely keeping my eyes on as of right now. But the 76ers, I thought coming into to the year was the biggest threat to the Bucs. And I felt like they would probably win the East. Um, but now Miami's coming in that picture. But back to Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is a freak of nature, but he has to start playing like he's a freak of nature. He has to know he's a freak of nature. 31 points, that's more like it. Turn around and get physical on guys, man. I know he's capable of doing that. He's going to have to do that if he wants to be dominant. That's the key thing. Does he want to be dominant? So that was impressive to see because I like Joel Embiid. I think he's a good guy. He's funny. He has a personality. He's not some bland, da-da-da. He's, he's a fun guy to cheer for, honestly. So I want to see him do good, man. But Philly did go ahead and get that win, 121-109. Then next, probably the shock of the day, the Golden State Warriors with a depleted team beat a really talented Houston team 116-104. to Um, I'm just going to read off some of the stats for the Golden State Warriors, man. They had a good night. I mean, we're talking about, you know, Draymond Green having 20 points. Uh, Russell, D'Angelo Russell having 20 points. You remember last week when I was ragging on Damian Lee? Damian Lee had 22 points last night. 22 points. Last week, I, I think that was two, week, two weeks ago, sorry, when I said Devontae Graham was like a Damian Lee, nobody really cared. No, I don't want to say nobody cared about it, but nobody was looking for him. Only only reason people knew him is because he married Steph Curry's sister. Like, that's the only reason I knew him, to be honest. And he had 22 points last night. Who went five from nine from the field, hit two for two on three-pointers, and, you know, he was 10 for 10 at the free throw line. Like, he had a good night. He had a really good night. 15 rebounds, four assists, three steals. That sounds like on 31 minutes. That sounds like NBA 2K type stuff. He had that type of night. So shout out to Damian Lee. Because I know last week, you know, I kind of made a sidebar joke at him. But, hey, he balled out last night. I can't even hate on that. But with this Houston team, man, that's a problem when you're losing to a depleted Warriors team like that. Russell had 30 points on 32 shots. That's just way too much shooting. James Harden, again, in these games when you need him to show up, really didn't. His stats don't look horrible. He shot 50% from the field. He shot 60% from three. But it's like when you need him to show up the most, he really did not show up. Um, He had 24 points. He didn't play a horrible game. I mean, Russ just took way too many shots in this game. Uh, House had 18 points. Um, But it was just a rough game for them, man. It was a really rough game for the Rockets. It was a really rough game to watch if you're a Rockets fan. I'm not, but I could tell that's a game that – that's a gimme. You got to beat Golden State without all their star players. But 
it just seems like psychologically when they see, you know, that kind of royal blue and gold, they just psychologically, I guess, tune out. And probably to the biggest game of the night and the biggest game really so far this year, that game felt like a playoff game. The teams in Tinseltown, man, the L.A. Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, it was it was crazy. It was a crazy type of atmosphere. Kawhi put on an absolute clinic, 35 points, uh, five from seven at three, eight from eight from the free throw line, perfect night at the line, um, 11 from 19 from the field. Great game from Kawhi. Harold had a great game. 2-5 products. Shout out to North Carolina. He had a great game. He went 8 for 12. Amazing game. Um, just very, very, very impressive. Um, I like what I've seen from the Clippers. They have a lot, a lot of depth. AD had a pretty decent game. He could have shot better from 3. He went 1 for 6, so he struggled from 3. 8 for 17 overall, 24 points. Kyle Kuzma showed out last night. Kyle Kuzma was probably the best player on the court last night that was in a Lakers uniform. Probably the best player on the court last night in a Lakers uniform. Um, 25 points, four rebounds, um, one steal. He had a he had a good game, man. He hit shots when it mattered. He went four for nine from the three. Very productive game. Um, Codwell Pope, too, didn't have a bad game, 13 points. But we got to jump into LeBron. <sighs> I love you, LeBron. So it pains me to do this, but I got to tear one in you. And really, it, if you look at the stats, it don't look that bad. 23, 10, and 9. He had 23 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds. That looks two steals, one block. That looks like, oh, that's not that bad. But then when you go over to the field goal percentage, and he shot 9 from 24. That's bad. When you take 24 shots and you only make nine of them, that's not even half. Um, when you go two from 12 from the three, that ain't good, bro. That ain't good. I love LeBron, so it pains me to say this, but LeBron, when the game mattered the most, LeBron was very standoffish. It reminded me a lot of that playoff series he had against um, Dallas. It reminded me a lot of that. Real standoffers when the game mattered most, he seemed like he kind of backed off. I love you, LeBron, but you were way, I love you, love you to death, but you were way too passive when the game mattered the most. If the Lakers want to win a championship, which I think they can do it this year, I thought next year would be more so the year. I think they can do it this year. Um, you LeBron can't be passive. He's got to attack the basket. He's got to he's got to want to take control of the game when the game matters the most. He has to. He ha he's the greatest to me I still think right now LeBron's the greatest player on the planet. And he showed that for the most part besides the two games against the Clippers. He showed that he's the greatest on the planet still to me personally. Um but that game was amazing. I watched it from start to finish, literally. Um, and it was a great game, man. It was amazing. Um, LeBron just really showed that he needs to be able to take more of a control in a game. He has to. He has to take more of a control. 
in the game. The last game of the night was the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, this is another kind of upset special. New Orleans beating Denver was huge. Denver came into this game 21-8. They were looking pretty good in the West. New Orleans came in in a complete opposite scenario. They were 9-23, not playing great, and they put on an absolute clinic last night. B.I. continuing to show growth, man. 31 points, um, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 11 from 18 from the field, 7 from 9 from 3. Another good game for him, Drew Holiday, another guy that's been a lot of talks in the trade market. I've been hearing a lot about possibly him ending up in, you know, Milwaukee and stuff like that. 20 points for him. Um, eight from eighty, uh, eight from eighteen from the field, um, eight assists. So a pretty good game from Drew Holiday as well. Um, let's go down and talk about Denver a little bit though. Um, Jokic, twenty-three points, eight from twenty. A guy like Jokic, you want to see better than than forty something percent. You gotta see because he's close to the basket. He should be making around close to fifty, fifty-five percent of his baskets. Um, a rough night for Jamal Murray. Only eight points. He shot two from ten from the field. Bad night. Um, just really a rough night for him. Gary Harris had 15 um, points, six from uh, 13 from the field, and then also as well he had four assists. So that was just kind of the highlights of that game. But, man, I'm going to be honest, man. B.I. is showing a lot of growth. I hate to say this, but – Zion not playing might have been the best thing for B.I.'s career right now is Zion being out of the mix because if Zion was here, that'd be Zion's 31 points more than likely or something like he would at least be taking half of that. So, and obviously we don't wish injuries on nobody. I don't know when Zion's coming back. I honestly think it'll be next year. At this point, it might as well be next year. Pull a Ben Simmons and just wait. Um, but Zion, when they get Zion, I think B.I., back to B.I., because that's who's really the main subject right now. B.I., having Zion out has helped his career big time because he showed in some of these games, like at the beginning of the year, he showed a lot of flashes of being very dominant. And in games like that, Christmas night, he showed more flashes of him on national television being very, very dominant. So, B.I. is really showing that he can be a difference maker in this league. And I think he can be a good two. I think, in a, I say in like a year or two, he can be a good two. I don't know if I would quite on a championship team, I'm saying. He can be a good two on a championship team. But right now, I still feel like he's a high three, almost two. He's a high three right now, almost two. But... B, I got a lot to prove to me a little bit before I can put him as a solid two on a championship contender team. But somebody going to pay him this offseason. I don't know who it is, but he's going to get paid. Somebody's going to up the ante and pay for B.I. And rightfully so, because you're probably more than likely paying for the potential. Um, because he has it. He had it when he was at Duke. He had it when he was at Kingston High School. He had the potential. That's one thing he's always had. So it's kind of good to see that potential starting to have a little bit of um, fluition, I guess, and um, seeing him kind of pan out to be a pretty decent NBA player. So just being a guy from North Carolina, I'm happy to see that form. Now, the games that are play taking place tonight, which is the night after Christmas, so for you guys, that's going to be last night, but for me, it's tonight. 
Um, Detroit is playing Washington right now. They're up 79-56. Right now, the Battle of the Burrows. Brooklyn is down 30. Oh, they're up now. 39-38 against the New York Knickerbockers. Um, we also have Memphis up 23-18 on Oklahoma City Thunder right now. Right now, we have Dallas having Luka Donich back in their game uh, for first time about two or three weeks now. They're up 16-11 over San Antonio. At 10 o'clock tonight, we have Minnesota versus Sacramento. And then at 10.30, we have Portland versus Utah. And for you guys on Friday night, uh, which will be the 27th, uh, some of the games that you'll be looking out for, that's going to be Cleveland at Boston. You have Oklahoma City at Charlotte. You have Philadelphia at Orlando. You have Milwaukee in Atlanta. You have Indiana at Miami. That's going to be a really good game also as well. And then you have um, Phoenix at Golden State. Uh, late that night at 10.30. So those are some, kind of some of the things that's going on in the NBA right now. Um, but I was very impressed, like I said, with uh, a few people's game. Like I said, B.I. was very impressive. Um, you know, obviously Kawhi, man, he's making it seem like that that whole sitting out thing is panning out pretty good for him. So I really can't complain. Um, but... You know, I know a lot of people have been complaining about the whole load management thing, but he looked very rested last night. And I think the Clippers are using him more so as a long-term thing. They know he's going to be all right, but what they want to do is use him as a long-term dynamic to save him for what really matters is a championship. I mean, the Raptors did it last year as well. Do I agree with it? No, not really, but... I mean, if it works for them, if it gets them a, a championship, they're not going to care how the fans think. Is it fair to the fans? No, probably not. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they are going to do what they want to do to win a championship. And I really, in a, in a way, really cannot blame them. Um, next, I want to go ahead and move into some NFL football next. We're coming up on the end of the NFL football season. We are. We're coming up on the end of that. And uh, it's kind of sad because, you know, a lot of teams' seasons are over after Sunday. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how this last week pans out. But I do want to talk about it when we come back. What's up, you guys? It's your boy, Tony T. Tom West, man, back at it again. And, you know, I just came up with a great idea, man. Since we're in and out this decade, decade, this is a whole decade leaving here. I'm going to play coming in and out some of the hottest songs from the decade. That was Versace. I believe that was back in 2013 when the Migos really kind of popped off. Um, and that's when, like, Drake jumped on the track and all that, but... In and out, this podcast, this is the last podcast. Well, tomorrow, technically, well, yeah. Saturday's podcast will technically be the last podcast of, you know, the decade. But definitely just coming out this decade, I kind of do just want to show some music appreciation, if you guys don't mind. Um, but just of some of the hottest songs in this decade. Um, so if you guys don't mind me doing that, that's what I'll be doing on the intro and outro of every segment, which in this one, we should really only have like 
three or four more um, because we're going to do another segment after this, and I'll give you the, the tea on that in a few minutes. But I do want to talk some NFL football. You guys, we're getting to that point now where we're in the, the – we're at the end, man. We're in week 17. This is it. Um, most playoff season is basically wrapped up, especially in the NFC. Um, if Eagles really the only people, you know, that got to – Eagles is the really only team that have to win their end. Um, if they lose and Dallas wins, then Dallas is in. Um, but besides that, everybody else is pretty much solidified – their playoffs so that's good but I do want to go over some of these games from last week of week 16 um we had the Texans versus the Buccaneers Texans won 23 to 20 uh we had the Bills versus the Patriots Patriots won 24 to 17 we had the 49ers and the Rams 34 31 49ers um and they have a big game this week against Seattle which is basically going to determine who's going to have that number one seed um, and then the Atlanta Falcons, who've been hot of late, um, won 24-12 over the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Ravens clinched the number one spot. They right now are 13-2, and uh, they're looking really good winning that game 31-15. Uh, the Saints won and found themselves 12-3. and uh, A lot of records were broken last week. Drew Brees broke records, I believe. Uh, Michael Thomas obviously broke his big record. Um, but they won 38-28 against Tennessee. Carolina continues to get stumped every week. Uh, the Colts winning 38-6. Um, we did get to see the beginning of the Will Greer era. Um, next, you have the Dolphins uh, winning over the Bengals, who now have locked up the first pick, which would more than likely be either Chase Young or Joe Burrow. Um, they lost to the Dolphins 38-35. Um, the Jets got a good win against the Steelers 16-10. Um, so, Big game for Le'Veon Bell getting back at his old team. Um, the Giants won over the Redskins 41-35. The Lions lost to the Broncos 27-17. Um, the Raiders beat the Chargers 24-17. Um, the Cowboys in Dallas, which is probably the biggest game of last week, the Eagles won 17-9, and now they control their own destiny. The Cardinals beat the Seahawks, which was really a big shocker, but they did win that game. Uh, 27 to 17. The Chiefs beat the Bears, um, 26 to three. And then the Monday night game, the Packers won, 23 to 10. Um, so that was the games from last week. I won't really go into depth because I really want to spend time talking about the games that are taking place this week in playoff seating. That's what I really want to talk about. So I'm not gonna go over every game this week. Um, well, I will, but I won't jump into in depth every game this week. So, like, for example, this first game I'm not going to jump deep into. Bills versus Jets. Jets are a middle-of-the-road, okay-ish team, but the Bills actually have a really good defense this year. They're going to win that game more than likely, somewhere like 23-20. to 20. Um, Browns and Bengals, both teams have struggled this year. I'm still taking the Browns in this game. Packers versus the Lions. I think the Packers win that game um, because they also play a big role in this whole the race to the number one seed. So if they win that game and a few teams lose, they're in the mix for the number one seed and coming through Lambeau. It's going to be pretty hard when you know you're going to be facing 13 degree weather and snowing. Um, so that's going to be a big game, but I think they should win that game. We have the Chargers and the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs win that game. They've already basically locked up the playoffs. Next, we have the Bears and the Vikings. Bears have already been basically mathematically eliminated. So Vikings, I think they win that game just for playoff seeding. 
Um, the Patriots versus the Dolphins, I mean, come on. There's really not much to talk about on that game. I think the Patriots win that game pretty decidingly. The Falcons versus the Buc- uh, ew, excuse me. The Falcons versus the Buccaneers. Um, I guess this game will basically decide who's going to come in second um, in the NFC South. I'm actually going to take the Falcons in this game to win and find themselves 79 and actually come out second in the division. Um, after that, we have the Saints versus Carolina. Come on, man. It's my own team, and I'm telling you, we know what's about to happen, man. Saints are about to obliterate Carolina probably in huge fashion. Uh, Redskins versus Cowboys. I think the Cowboys, for the most part, will handle the Redskins. Raiders versus the Broncos. Man, I'm looking at these games. There's really no good game this week at all. Um, I'm just going through these games. Now, all these games suck. Um, but anyway, I'll continue on. Eagles versus Giants. That's going to be a big game, obviously, because if the Eagles win, they're in. If they lose, they're out. Um, but that's going to be a big game for the Eagles to clinch that playoff berth with Carson Wentz on the team and actually healthy this time going around. Um, the L.A. Rams play the Cardinals. I think the L.A. Rams will probably bounce back and get a win in that game. And at this point, the Cardinals are already out the picture, so they probably want to focus more on draft seed at this point. Um, the Raiders versus the Broncos. I think that's actually going to be a kind of decent game. We've seen Drew Locke the past few weeks. Let's see if he can do something else special this week. I'm going to take Denver in that game, actually. Um, we have the Colts and the Jaguars next. Both of these teams, like I said, really not really in the mix for a playoff. Um, so I actually think I'm going to take the Colts in this game. The Ravens and Baltimore. Baltimore has already said they're they're not playing any of their starters. Um so, I mean, I'm probably more than likely going to take the Steelers in this game just because the Ravens have already announced we really don't care. We're not playing out of our people. Um, then next you have the Titans versus the Texans. I think the Texans have already wrapped up the NFC South, I mean the AFC South, so I would not be surprised if the Titans win this game and find themselves actually making the playoffs. And then last but not least, probably the only game that actually has any relevancy to it is the 49 the rest of those games are garbage so the only game i'm really going to cover this week is the 49ers in the seahawks um because the rest of these games suck i'm just going to tell y'all the complete honest truth um yeah they suck uh the 49ers and the seahawks now this game is very very important it's it's because of so many reasons for one there's a lot of teams in the nfc right now that are 12 and 3 you have the 49ers, you have the Saints, you have the you have the 49ers, Saints, and Green Bay. Am I missing anybody else? No. Okay, so those are only three teams right now that are 12 and 3. So I want you guys to keep that in mind as of right now because now we're about to jump into the whole playoff seed talk. Because with that being said, a lot's going to happen this week that's going to determine who's going to have home home field advantage. Now, let me work out some of the scenarios for you guys so you can so I can make it easy to understand because it took me a while to understand who would win if this happens and this happens so on and so forth. Okay. So right now, 49ers actually have the tiebreaker over everybody just because of strength of schedule. They have the tiebreaker over everybody that's 12 and 3 right now. We have 3 teams that's 12 and 3. The 49ers, the Green Bay Packers, and the Saints. Okay. The 49ers play the Seahawks basically for the division this week. So if they win this game, it doesn't matter. The championship on the NFC side is coming through Santa Clara, California. Period. 
That's that. Now, if San Francisco loses this week to Seattle, Seattle is automatically going up to first place. Yeah, I said it. They're going to go up to first place. No, actually, they won't go to first place. They'll go to second place. New Orleans will actually win because New Orleans beat Seattle. So New Orleans then becomes, if they win this week, they go to first place. Green Bay, if the Saints lose and and 49ers lose and Seattle loses, Green Bay can find themselves in the first place. Green Bay is probably in the worst position to get to first place. But I'm going to tell you guys now, if that championship, I don't care, because a lot of people are saying Green Bay's not that good, Green Bay's not that good, Green Bay's not that good. I don't disagree, but I mean, when you're 12 and 3, it's kind of hard for somebody to say you're not that good because I can't even say that because I hate when people did that to the Panthers when they were 15 and 1. They were like 11 and 1. People were saying, oh, they're not that good. They're not that good. They were 13 and 1. Oh, yeah, they're not that good. They're not that good. Like, I, I don't really like when people say that. I mean, the, at this point, we're literally at the last week. If you're a 12 and 3 team right now, you're a pretty good team to me. Even if I don't like you, I'm not the biggest Green Bay fan. But if you're 12 and 3, you're a pretty good team. You're a pretty good team in a very competitive NFC. So I really don't want to hear that the Green Bay Packers are not that good. I think they're pretty, pretty good to be 12 and 3 in that, you know, conference. Me personally, I'm just telling y'all, I don't want to have to go through Green Bay in Lambeau Field when it's 29 degrees and snowing. It's a blizzard outside. I don't want to go to Lambeau and it's seven degrees outside. The wind chill is negative two. I don't want to go to Lambeau. If that's me being completely honest, I wouldn't want to go to Lambeau. Now, let's get back to the game. Seattle versus the 49ers. I'm going to be honest with y'all, man. If I'm the 49ers, this game means everything. Because if we can have everybody come through Santa Clara, we get a week off to just chill and relax, get everybody healthy that we need to get healthy, this game is huge for them. Because now, you come from, if you lose this game, you come from having a, a, a home game and a bye week to having to go on the road. You have to go on the road and no bye week. So this game was really big for both of these teams, but mainly the 49ers. This game is huge for them. If I'm the 49ers, man, I'm winning this game. I'm not even letting it linger around. I'm not letting it be close. We winning this game. We getting out of here with a win, fam. That's how I would feel if I was a 49ers player right now. You've got to get a win in this game because Seattle, I feel like they're actually more set to play on the road than the 49ers are. We, uh, we've seen the 49ers this year on the road struggle. We've seen that happen. We've seen them lose to the Ravens at home. We've seen them, even though they won, we've seen them get 46 points put up on them by the Saints. We've seen them play a close game against the Cardinals at the Cardinals. We've seen them struggle at the Redskins. So I think San Francisco is more set to play at the crib than on the road, especially if they got to go to like a Lambeau field or something like that. 
I don't know what the chances are of them winning that. Now with Seattle, I would be more okay with them going on the road than the 49ers because if the 49ers go on the road, they may get put out first week depending on who they got to play and where it's at, especially if they got to go to Lambeau or New Orleans. I'm just telling you the flat out honest truth. If they got to go to either one of them, it could be ugly. It could be bad news. So I would really prefer them because I like the 49ers. I really want to see them do good. But I would prefer to see them at home so we can actually see them throughout the playoffs. Honestly, because I feel like if they don't, if they lose this game and got got to go to Lambeau or something like that first week, it ain't going to be pretty, man. I'm just going to say it like that. It's not going to be pretty. The Seattle Seahawks, to me, are more so a team that can go on the road and get a big win. They did it a lot this year. They went on the road and beat San Francisco. They went on the road and beat an Eagles team when they were desperate. They went on the road and beat the Cardinals. They went on the road and beat the Steelers. They beat a lot of teams on the road. So I feel like they're a little bit more set for the road if they got to do that. But I'm just going to tell you the truth. If the 49ers got to go on the road, especially if it's like Green Bay, I ain't, I ain't too confident they winning that, man. I'm just being straight up honest. I'm not too confident they're winning that. Now, I know some of y'all wanted me to talk about the Panthers um, interviewing uh, McCarthy from the Green Bay Packers since we're talking about the Packers. He's not a horrible coach. He's not a bad coach. He's actually a decent coach. But I just feel like you're basically hiring an offensive Ron Rivera if you do that. Now, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But that's what I feel like you're doing if you do that. You're basically setting yourself to be right back in the same position in about four or five years. That's what you're really doing. And that's just me being honest. Everybody has their own perspective, but that's me. You're setting yourself up to be back in the same position in about five years because you got to think about it. He had one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers. One of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. So we got to put that in perspective. And we got to be honest with ourselves. That's that's a lot of why he had a successful eight or nine years and a Super Bowl in Green Bay. Not saying he's a bad coach. He's just a okay, all right, above average coach. He's like Ron Rivera, basically, but just offensive minded. He's talking about he's doing analytics now. We'll see. I mean... We'll see. That's all I can really say about that. But me personally, I'm not really big on the Mike McCarthy train. But if the Panthers hire him, I won't be completely upset. I won't be like, man, that's a horrible hire. I just be like, okay, that's all, that's all right. You know, that's okay. That's an okay hire. That's exactly what I would say. Now. I want to talk about Dan Quinn a little bit because here of late, the Falcons have gotten hot. They've won, what, five out of the last seven? The Falcons seem like they kind of are trying to play for Dan Quinn. I wonder, will they keep Dan Quinn at this point? Maybe they'll try to run it back for one more year. 
I don't know. I don't know if he keeps his job. Well, they end out the year seven and nine. And Arthur Blank says, you know, we're going to give it one more shot. He had Keno uh, Neal was law, uh, hurt for the last two seasons. Let's see if we can give it one more shot. Maybe he decides to do that. I don't know. But wouldn't it be interesting to see? Because to me it would. It'd be very interesting to see. I mean, I I don't think, and I said this on Twitter earlier, I don't think Dan Quinn's a horrible coach. I know I'm, I'm cool with a lot of Falcon fans and a lot of Falcon fans listen to the podcast and stuff like that, but I don't think Dan Quinn is a horrible coach. He's kind of like a, he's a little less than a Ron Rivera, actually. I would say, I would actually say Ron Rivera's a better coach than Dan Quinn, but he's kind of in that, Sir, well, no, I wouldn't even say he's in that circle. He's just an average coach. I wouldn't even say above average. He's an average coach. He took a good team, a very talented team, to the Super Bowl. But I would never say Dan Quinn was a coach of the year candidate to me ever in his whole career. Um, Even the Super Bowl year. just They were just... Matt Ryan was having a magnificent year that year. Julio Jones was having a, a magnificent year that year. That defense was amazing that year. Uh, Devontae Freeman looked alive that year. Um, I mean, everybody just looked great that year. And we may be saying that it's because of Kyle Shanahan now that we're looking at how San Francisco looks. But that's a whole other story for a whole other day. But me personally, I've never really thought Dan Quinn was this amazing, amazing coach. He's an okay coach. And he, I mean, he's only been a coach, a head coach for what, five years now, four or five years? So he still has time to become a great coach. But I don't think he's a great coach right now. He's just an okay coach. Now, y'all are probably asking me, okay, Tony, what do you really think? Should we keep him or should we fire him if you're a Falcons fan? I'm almost, you know, a lot of people ain't going to like what I got to say. That's Falcons fans. I'm almost like giving one more year because the players have showed they still listen. They, the message is still coming from them because they, they're still playing really good football. Right? They could have just handed in the in the season like the Panthers did when Ron Rivera was there. But they've continued to fight. So I think that says something about Dan Quinn's character and the type of respect he has in that locker room. So me personally, I think you give him another year. That's just me. That's just Everybody has their own different opinions. That's just me. I would kind of give him another year. That's all I think. I would. I would give him another year. But everybody's not me. So <laughs> I want to make that clear. Everybody's not me. But I would give him another year. Because it seems like these guys are still continuing to play for him. And that's big. And that says a lot about the team's character. And also as well, it says a lot about really um, Dan Quinn's character. That his guys are still fighting for him. That says a lot. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the greatest sporting events in 2019. I want to talk about some of the greatest sporting events in the decade. I really do. I want to spend about five or ten minutes and then we'll end it off there.
What's up, you guys? It's your boy Tony T. Tom West, man, back at it again, ending off this podcast, man, the last regular podcast of the decade, man, not even a year, the year and decade, uh, well, one more for the year, but, but that'll be a college football podcast that will be presented to you guys uh, tomorrow, but um, yeah, man, last really podcast, regular one for the year, and also as well for the decade. Um, I want to talk about some of the most exciting sports times this year in 2019, and then also as well some of the most exciting sports times in the decade. Um, for me personally, in 2019 was a very impactful sports year. Um, obviously, y'all know my favorite moment of 2019. Um, and probably both times of this decade was Clemson winning the national championship. But this last one was just sweet. Um, just absolutely obliterating Alabama brought so much joy to my heart. Um, yeah, I mean, I really can't even explain it. I mean, that was probably the, well, I don't know, the first championship in 16, which was in our program's history, the second championship was very sweet too. But just the way we blowed out and dominated Alabama for me would be probably my favorite, um, especially for 2019. For the decade, I probably would go um, the 2016 National Championship team. I would also throw the 2015 Carolina Panther team uh, in this decade. That was another fun thing to watch. Um, You know, just seeing the rise of Clemson football the last decade has been amazing to watch. And what Dabo Sweeney has did with that program and what, what he's really epitomized of what Clemson stands for. Um, that's been amazing to watch in this last decade. Um, you know, really so, so much. Um, and I don't even want to just focus on some of my teams. I don't even want to really focus on those. I mean, just think about college basketball, Virginia. I think they have probably the best redemption story possibly of all time. Uh, we've seen a 16 seed beat a, a number one seed for the first time ever in life, ever. Um, last year in 2018, then the next year, well, 2017, and then the next year in 2018, they turned around and won the whole thing. Um, well, the beginning of this year, which would have been 2019, but you get what I'm saying. Um, I mean, Virginia's basketball story is probably one of the best redemption stories you can hear of. Being completely humiliated the year before and then turn around and winning a championship, um, was amazing. I mean, honestly, it really was amazing. Um, so that's one thing I will take into consideration when we talk about um, decade changing things. Also as well, and this goes with this year and decade, uh, Tiger Woods winning the Masters. Um, that is something that I feel like has to be on the top of the decade and especially 2019 year list, for me at least. Um I mean, him coming back and, I mean, let's be honest, I, people may not agree with his, you know, personal decisions and the decisions he made at home, but when Tiger's good at golf, it makes everyone watch. I don't even like golf, but if Tiger's playing, I'm I'm at least going to tune in on Twitter and see what folks talking about. And I don't know nothing about golf, but that's just how intriguing he is. Just the fact everybody loves Tiger Woods. I grew up on Tiger Woods. Like I said, I didn't care nothing about golf at all. But I knew who Tiger Woods was. That's that's just how it goes. Like, he's a very vital piece of the game of golf. So, 
seeing him win the Masters, I think that's also something as well that we have to take in consideration. Um, also, I would even add in um, so many things I could add in for this decade. Um, man, I, I'm trying to just think because it's so much that's taken place in a decade. Um, wow, I'm just drawing a blank. I mean, we've seen a lot of greats retire in the last 10 years, obviously, in all sports. Um, you know, obviously, Kobe leaving was tough on us. Um, you know, obviously in the NBA world, and me being a big Kobe fan, uh, Dwayne Wade just retired in the last, you know, year or so. Um, so I mean, yeah, basketball and football wise, we lost a lot. Um, you know, we lost a lot in sport, in the sports world period, you know, to death and, and retirement and all that. Uh, we lost a lot, man. So, uh, that's something to definitely keep in mind. I mean, some of my favorite sports moments this year that are not team related to me, um, I think also as well, and this is going to kind of sound biased since I'm a Clemson fan, was seeing the rise of Lamar Jackson in 2015 and on up. Um, I remember Lamar Jackson when he was in high school, and a lot of people don't know he had a viral video. Um, he had a viral video that when he was in high school where he like basically stopped and juked this guy and this dude literally fell out his pants dang there because he juked him so bad and he just walked in the end zone. I knew about Lamar Jackson back then. That was probably like 2014, uh, 2015. And then now to see what he's doing in the NFL, now more than likely he's going to be named MVP at the end of the season. We about already know that at this point. Um, and also win a Heisman in the last, you know, three years to be an MVP of the lead in the NFL and winning a Heisman. I think seeing the rise of, um, of Lamar Jackson has been really, and I, I'm not trying to be political or racial, but seeing the rise of black quarterbacks period in the last really five years, six years has been great because I remember when black quarterbacks were only seen as athletic threats, they can just run the ball and things such as that. But now when you see guys like Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, I mean, I would even, as much as I think he's mediocre or just average, I would even throw Dak Prescott in in that kind of realm. Well, not on the same level as them, obviously. Patrick Mahomes, um, guys like that. Um, I then at that point think that low-key Russell Wilson, those guys are kind of around the lead right now. Um, so it's kind of good to see the evolution of black quarterbacks um in this lead. I mean, it's so it's so much I could talk about sports-wise for this decade um and how it's made a difference. Uh there's been so many differences made. Um let's see. I'm trying to think of something else before I go to end out this podcast. Um it's so much that's been happening in a decade, so I'm just trying to keep it all together, but those are just some of the main ones that have resonated with me. Uh, obviously Clemson's rise of fame, the Carolina Panthers 2015 season, um, the great years of Lamar Jackson, the UVA, um, you know, coming back um, from losing to a 16 team and then turning around and winning the championship next year. Um, I feel like I got to throw LeBron James in there, right? Like I feel like in some type of capacity – I have to throw LeBron James in because him bringing a championship to Cleveland um, was amazing. Uh, I mean, it was truly amazing. It was truly, you know, 
life changing for him. I know that was something that he wanted to accomplish, and he did it. And um, you know, I think that's very important to preach out because I mean, LeBron James. I mean, he's really been the king of this decade. I don't, I don't really think that's a question. Um, he's basically ran the world in basketball since 2010, to me at least. Um, so I have to give him credit on that. So I feel like LeBron James has to be bought in here somewhere as well. Um, he's been astounding and amazing as well. I wonder who's going to hold the torch for the next 10 years. I feel like the Greek freak could be the one. And that's me being honest, being honest with you. I believe he could be the next one. I don't know if he is for sure, but I feel like he could be the next one that's going to hold the torch for the next 10 years. Um, but I mean, yeah, man, I mean, to me, to be real with you, man, so much. I mean, obviously, we got to talk about, even though a lot of people don't like them, the Warriors, their dominance. Um, I mean, you three championships in, what, five years? Um, I mean, they did a lot. Um, their dominance and how they performed, you know, over the last, you know, five years, we have to give that some credit. So it's a lot of credit to be sp spread around to me. Um, personally, a lot of sports events that took place, you know, over this past year, I mean, over these past year and last 10 years, it's been incredible, man. Um, it's been incredible. And I think, you know, personally to me, this was a really good sports year. 2019 was, um, and then also decade. I mean, there's so much that's taken place in the decade, man, so much that happened. And, oh, I forgot to bring up uh, the evolution of the pass interference calls. The, the New Orleans Saints, that whole situation that happened this year in 2019. So a lot happened in 2019, you know, sports-wise. So just the fact of, like, you know, it's just a lot, man. It's a lot that happened this year in itself. So throughout the decade, it's, it's definitely been a lot. But this year, it was definitely a lot that took place um and this was a good sports year good sports decade and i'm honestly looking forward to more um i thank you guys for the support man i love you guys um we're signing off on our regular podcast until 2019 now we will have the talks with t-time podcast college football edition dropping on saturday morning but um for the regular podcast man this is it we see you guys next year.